Hello, it is Laurent from Casual Conversations with Laurent, and today I'll be talking about love, death, and robots, getting into a few episodes and talking about the central themes and how they connect to, respectively, love, death, and robots. But before we hop in, I just want to get into this article on IndieWire that I read. You know, it's written by Ben Travers, and so <clears throat> he talks about how the show is a bit hyper-masculine, um, along with uh, a bit of misogyny in there. Um, he claims that five of the six uh, women um, that were shown, you know, topless, um, had their naked breasts exposed. You know, some were alive, some were dead, and some weren't moving at all. He also felt like they were uh, gratuitous and unwarranted, um, violence, gore, and disturbing, you know, scenes and whatnot. You know, I can agree with him um, to that sense, but it is a uh, show meant for, <clears throat> excuse me, adult uh, viewers, you know, it's a show, if it had a rating, it'd be rated R. And that's what, you know, that's the vision that they strive for. That's the creative intent that they wanted to represent. And with that, they showed a lot of things. And I think that if we're going to attempt to uh, come at Love, Death, Robots for using, say, unnecessary um, nudity or gore, we have to come at any other show that, that does the same thing. Um, I can agree to him, agree with him to a point where you know there are just weird scenes of random nudity that that are only explained because it is an adult you know show. But with things like that, I I don't know if it's if it's important to look too deep into it because the show I don't think it's, the show itself is too hyper masculine because it shows a lot of um, women overcoming like extremely masculine um, opposition, you know. But we'll get into that later. <clears throat> you know, I just wanted to open up with that a little bit. But yeah, let's hop into episode one. Um, first, let's read the uh, screen rant uh, summary of the first episode. It says the first episode of Do- Love, Death, Robots is Sunny's Edge, and it's set place in a dimly lit cyberpunk CG animated cross between Pokemon and Pacific Rim, you know, centered around a monster fight between two psychically controlled beasts. You know, the challenger and our protagonist is a new scrappy female contender, Sunny, who brushes off a bribe from our antagonist, uh, Dicko, to lose before uh, coming out victorious. And so Dicko wasn't happy about that and comes out to pay her a visit and, you know, finds out her real identity. As it turns out, you know, she was the creature all along. So, yeah, again, you were getting into a lot the first episode and you think it's going to be a continuation of this type of stuff, like her, you know, fighting um, other monsters this whole time. But really, each episode is different. It takes a Black Mirror-esque approach where every episode has its own type of style and thematic events occurring, as well as moral and social dilemmas. It's really interesting. It definitely gets you thinking. And especially with this first episode when, you know, Dicko came up to her and said, how about you lose this game for $500,000. And she said, no, I don't lose. And when you're watching that, you're like, awesome, dope. She's standing up to the guy. And her friend explains to Dicko that young, before, you know, she got into fighting, or before she got big, she was snatched by an estate gang and they cut her up after they had used her, quote unquote. And so this is like what she's out here doing. She doesn't fight for the money, the fame, the glory. She fights to get back at the people that did that to her. And so in that moment, you're like, yeah, she's sticking it to the man. But when you come to find out that it's not the link 
that binds the body to the beast, but rather her consciousness is inside that beast and her consciousness is linked to some, some bio, mm, I don't know how to say it, cyborg. Yeah, some cyborg. <clears throat> and so at the end of the episode, when Dicko comes and with his little girl and tries to kill Sunny and, you know, puts like three spikes through her head, she just gurgles because the body isn't real. And she comes on in the speakers into the room and starts to explain to them that that body isn't real and that when her friend saved her from that estate gang, she, they couldn't save the body and they put her consciousness in the beast. And she kills the girl and grabs <clears throat> Dicko and asks him, are you scared now? Because he had asked her, he had asked her, um, um, pardon me, the woman that he was, she was talking to Sunny earlier was asking if she was ever afraid going out. And Sunny was like, no, fear. Ooh, or did she? I'm wrong. Yes, I am wrong. Sunny was like, of course I'm afraid. Everyone's afraid. But she's like, she's never really angry out there. And, you know, fear is primal. It's something that drives you to survive. And in that in that moment, we just thought about her fear of losing, but it was her fear of death that kept her moving, you know? As that beast, if she died, it was over for her. And so that fear of death was what kept her motivated to keep going. But yeah, you know, I just wanna I just wanna move on from that and get a let me pull up the Zima Blue screen rant <clears throat> summary right now. All right. An art journalist gets an interview of a lifetime in Zimmer Blue, profiling the great Zimmer, a withdrawn modern artist who was, whose work had redefined the idea of scale and possibility over the course of decades. Legend had it that Zimmer was a mortal man who had made himself robotically enhanced to explore every kind of environment he could so that he could grasp the true nature of existence. The truth is something much simpler. Zimmer is actually a robot, first built by a young girl, excuse me, to clean her pool, his inventor mother kept working on him, giving him greater levels of autonomy. He grew into a fully autonomous and eventually became obsessed with the color of the blue tiles he was originally made to upkeep, hence that color being the center of his work. His last masterpiece is a reveal of his mechanical roots, choosing to revert back to his first very form as a simple cleaning tool in a swimming pool, much to the stock of the aristocratic audience. Now that episode was really dope. It was really beautiful. It took a different artistic approach, leaning more towards um, traditional animation rather than CGI. And I thought what this episode really tried to ask you was, you know, what what makes a person, you know what I'm saying? And we, had, we were thought to believe that Zimmer was a human that had transformed his body into robotic pieces to just later find out that he's a robot um, that somehow was human and then became a robot again. It's never really clarified what he really is, but we can all assume that he was originally a robot because that's what he reverts back to at the end of the pool. And throughout the whole show, he's narrating 
rather, excuse me, the female, a female protagonist is narrating and speaking about Zima's artwork and how it starts off with a little blue tile in the middle. And finally, his just gargantuan pieces start covering like just magnificent scopes of the world. And he was searching for the universe. He was searching through the universe for an answer. And answers to something that the question we don't we were never posed. But what he found was that all he wanted was to be home, you know, be back where he was really happy, where he didn't have anything to worry about, where his sole focus was that Zimmer blue colored tile. And in his search for truth in the universe, he found home in himself. And I just, whew, it really makes you think about like, what are we like? What makes a human a human? Can a robot be adjusted so much that it, it thinks it's a person? Because that's what ended up happening with Zimma. Like he was a robot that just got added pieces and pieces until he became what he is. And then he just wanted to go back, you know? But uh, moving on from that little, you know, moment right there, we can move on to one of my, one of the funnier episodes, Three Robots, which covers, you heard it, Three Robots. <laughs> um, let me pull up the uh, screen rant summary right now for you guys. So, a buddy comedy episode, Three Robots, is one of the cheerier cuts of love, death, and robots. And Wally inspired John through a post-apocalyptic city featuring a trio of androids. The three chat and deride each other as they discuss the various weird behaviors of, ha- of the now extinct human race. Bodies littering the streets and technology sitting under a layer of dust. The cutesy escapade becomes something darker when the cat they befriended reveals in perfect English that after the humans gave opposable thumbs to the genetic engineering, the household felines took over, implying mankind died fighting off both them and irreparable side effects of climate change. And so this episode is one of my favorites because it kind of answered the question of like, what would whoever comes to the earth after we're gone, like what would they think of us? And so as these robots are just going through, you know, normal human activities like a basketball or just shooting hoops or even a couch, they made this funny joke and it was um like, why did they have these? And they were just like, they were, they're everywhere. They just have them. And, you know, it's just funny to think like all the things that we take as just like societal norms or just casual things about life are just not viewed the same way, you know, and whatever comes after we die inevitably, you know, due to climate change, which probably will happen, um, you know, whatever comes after will be very confused as to what it sees. Um, there was another joke because there were a couple uh, nuclear warheads lying around during the episode. And somebody asked, is this like how they all died? And they said, no, it was just climate change. And <laughs> and it was just kind of like the harsh reality. We all think that war is what's coming to kill the human race. But in reality, the human race already like started its race for death, in a sense. And I just thought that episode was just trying to make us like, look at that a little bit more, you know? Um, one episode which was really great and was just beautiful on like a technological and like 3D animation level was um, The Witness. And uh, 
is kind of follows this woman who notices this uh, man murder someone from across her apartment complex. And so she runs out her building and he chases him. And the murderer like is like confused, like why he looks exactly like her his victim. So he just chases after her. And he's like, hey, wait, like, listen, listen, like, let me explain. And she ends up running away from him, going to work, him coming to work, seeing him at work, leaving, and then ending up back at his house where he then, she kills him. But then the episode ends with him looking over out his window to see her commit the murder. And so I did a little bit of research. And looking back at um, just some Black Mirror episodes, they said that this was inspired by the episode White Bear, um, which follows uh, a criminal who, after murdering someone in, or having recorded somebody being murdered, was um, put in this little trial where for the rest of her days, she'd be chased around by actors that, you know, pretended they were going to murder her while people just sat on their phones and looked at her. And that was psychologically torturing. And this was one of the episodes that had, you know, just a weird amount of nudity. Um, you know, when they went to her job where she was a stripper or a dancer or something of that sort, you know, they were showing it off and then she was running through the streets with like half naked in a kimono. And again, that wasn't all necessary, but I feel like uh, like the artistic vision of uh, the director, I'm not saying it can't be questioned, but I'm just saying we can't, we can't specifically look at this director and you know the decisions he made and not look at every director that has made those same decisions. Um, but I'll leave that at that. And finally, I wanna talk a little bit about um, when the yogurt took over. This was the shortest episode, but it was one of the best. And pretty much the scientists make intelligent yogurt. And that yogurt comes to the US and says, hey, like we have a plan to help humans. And they laugh in its face until it says we're gonna go to China. And then that's when the politicians act. And then um, (laughs) the yogurt comes up with a plan to solve the national debt and it tells the politicians Follow the plan. If you deviate at all, it will bring absolute crisis. And it says, and of course, the politicians did not follow the plan. And I just thought this was one of those episodes that was just a little short and funny. And it was just a great idea from whoever was on the cast. I just wanted to take a little job with the, you know, U.S. political system and really just talk about how, you know, those in power don't really care unless another big superpower is involved or they don't listen And they don't follow instructions even when they know doing the right thing will help a lot of people. But, you know, when the yoga took over, it solved all the problems, you know? It had martial law and it wanted Ohio. And Ohio was one of the best places to live on earth for a while. Until the yogurt left, left without the humans. And that's how that episode ends. Hope you like my podcast about love, death, and robots, and I hope you you know find it a little interesting how each little episode revolves around either love, death, or robots, even a little bit, and how each has its own you know 
takes its own little social commentaries, whether it's misogyny in the workplace with Connie's Edge or um, Sunny's Edge, sorry, or having to deal with um, finding out who you really are, finding the truth in yourself. You know, lots of things are brought up that make you think about what you really are, who you really are, like what you really think and what you believe. And I just think that it's a show that you can watch so many times and take something different away from every episode as you uncover more and more. That being said, I'm signing off.